1 Samuel chapter 17, and look at verse number 15. The Bible said, But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days. And Jesse said unto David, his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand, and look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Then look at verse number 23. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. Then look at verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistines that he should defy the armies of the living God? Father, I pray in Jesus' name this morning that you would help us these next few moments, give us liberty. Lord, I only want to say what you would have me to say. I don't want to do or say anything in the flesh this morning. God, I don't want to call attention to the flesh, but I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that your son would be magnified and may the church this morning be edified. May they be helped. May sinners be saved and backsliders repent and come to an altar of of repentance this morning and revival. And may thy will be done. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. I won't take the time this morning to... Uh, discuss all the details of this story because if you're a Bible reader, a Bible student, or you've been in church any length of time, uh, then you know the story well concerning David and Goliath. But what I do want you to see in verse number 15 that we read this morning is I want you to see David's obligation. He said that David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. It didn't really matter what David was doing in life, whether he was assisting Saul or whether he was uh, uh, fighting Goliath. David was always a shepherd at heart. That was what David was supposed to do and David was not ashamed of the obligation that God had put in his life. And one verse number 15 tells us is that there most of the days in our life just seem to be ordinary days. David in this verse is just simply going back to his post. Uh, he has been at the palace and he has stood before Saul but he did not let the position or the palace lifestyle or anything that he had been around the circumstances take him away from the daily routine and obligation that God had instituted in his life. I think as uh, it'd be well said this morning for all of us to be reminded that we ought to just do the will of God no matter how mundane it may seem, no matter how mundane it may feel, we all have different obligations in life. Isn't that right? I mean, in the morning, most of you will get up and you will go to your job or or you'll have some type of, maybe you're a housewife and you have your daily routine, but you and I will be counted worthy and counted faithful just by fulfilling our everyday obligation as David did in this text. So I see David's obligation and then I see David's orders in verse number 17. The Bible said that Jesse said unto David his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand and look how thy brethren fare and take their place. So David is doing his daily obligation
obligation, but now he's been given some specific orders to, uh, to follow through by his father. And sometimes in life, you and I are gonna be uh, called on to do things that, that we did not expect, but if it is the father's will, then we ought to follow our father just as David followed his father and do the will of our father. So we see David's orders and then we see David's obedience in verse number 20. As the Bible said that David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. So I want you to see in verse number 20 here that David is just simply at the battlefield because he is obeying his father and doing what his father has asked him to do. David did not show up to be a soldier. He showed up to be a shepherd, amen? And he showed up to be a son. He was just fulfilling his obligation. He was just following the orders that his father had given him. He never intended that on this day he would go from being a shepherd and a son to being a soldier, amen? What that tells us is this. We ought to not be looking for a fight. We ought to not be trying to pick a fight. But sometimes in life, just by simply doing what we're supposed to be doing, the battle's going to range. We're gonna find ourselves in the forefront of the battle even though we did not choose or volunteer to be there. Can I get an amen? And so we see David's obedience and David's ordeal. Look at verse number 23. And as he talked with them, Behold, there came up the champion of the Philistine of, of Gath, Goliath by name. So we see this conversation. We see this champion in verse number 23. David is just talking and Goliath steps on the scene. And the Bible says uh, that he spake according to the same words. Uh, and notice this, the Bible said that David uh, heard them. David finds himself in a position that he did not plan to be in. And so there's this champion. Notice in verse 24, the cowards. The Bible says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. We're living in a day of cowards, aren't we? Notice the courage in verse 26. David spake to the men that stood by him saying what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine these cowards said in verse 25 have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel and to come it shall be done and they tell what happens and David asked them again in verse number 26 what happens and then notice here that David as David is taking courage and he says in verse number 26 that talks about what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel for who is uh, this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies uh, of the living God. I want to preach a few minutes this morning out of verse number 26 uh, on this subject on I'm fed up. Amen. I'm fed up. You say, well, preacher, why would you say that? Because when you get to verse 26, guess what? David is fed up, amen? David in verse number 26, uh, he did not come to the battle that day uh, with an ax to grind, somebody say amen. He did not go to the battle that day with a chip on his shoulder. David did not go to stir up controversy that day. David did not go to pick a fight or to start a fight. He wasn't even looking for a fight. He was just doing what 
his father had told him to do. But when he got there, guess what? There was an enemy, amen. When he got there, there was someone that was defying the armies of the living God. There was someone that was bringing reproach upon everything that David stood for and everything that David believed in. I wanna tell you, my friend, what it means to be fed up simply means this, that David wasn't gonna give up and David wasn't gonna back up and David sure wasn't gonna shut up just because the other side was speaking up, amen? I don't have an ax to grind today. I don't have a chip on my shoulder. I'm not mad. Listen, but this morning, I just simply wanna draw a line in the sand. I think sometimes, as I said last Sunday, that's exactly what you gotta do. And I wanna remind every member of this church, I wanna remind every Christian, I wanna remind every American this morning that we're living in an hour of compromise just like in this text. We're living in an hour of criticize just like in this text. And friend, you ought to be fed up with some things that's going on socially. You ought to be fed up with some things that's going on spiritually in our nation, in our churches. You ought to be fed up this morning. I'm gonna tell you one of the greatest problems going on in the South and I've seen it going to the north and going to the west. It's really opened my eyes more to the south. And this won't set well with a lot of southerners, and I am one of you. But I'm going to tell you what's wrong in the south in 2021. We're probably more full of apathy in our churches than we ever have been. Complacency and apathy. I'm telling you, there's a stern of God in the New England area. There's a stern of God up north. There's a stern of God out west. Uh, I tell you, I don't see a whole lot of stirring uh, uh, in the south. Uh, I think we've been in the Bible Belt so long, and I'm glad I'm in it. Somebody say amen. But I'll tell you, listen, if we can take preaching about everywhere else, we ought to be able to take it about right here. Isn't that right? I don't want to be like every other church in the South, do you? I don't want to just go to church and have our little song music program and the preacher get up and sweat and preach and give a little outline and everybody go home and say, man, we got a good church and not be moved and not be challenged and not go forward, amen? There's more to this thing than just having a good church to go to. There's more to this thing than just toting the King James Bible. And I believe every bit of that this morning. But my friend, in this service right here and right now, there ought to be something. Rise up in every one of us that says I'm sick and tired. I'm fed up with the condition of our nation, with the condition of our churches, with the apathy and the complacency and the wickedness and the worldliness and the waywardness that's going on around us. We ought to get fed up this morning. We ought to get fed up with this society we live in. We ought to get fed up with the sin that's on every corner. We ought to get fed up with ourselves this morning. Can I get an amen? I hear some people preach uh, as if they've got it all together. But can I tell you something this morning? We don't have it all together. I'm telling you, sometimes it's easy uh, to look across and point a finger at somebody else. Uh, but can I stop and say this? Uh, I've never felt like one day in my Christian life uh, that I've done everything that God wanted me to do. I've never felt like I prayed enough. I'm just telling you the truth. Uh, you can think what you will this morning. I've never felt like I've read enough scripture. I've never felt like I've passed out enough 
enough tracks. I've never felt like I could look at anybody and condemn anybody like as if I've done enough. Oh no. I'm telling you, Isaiah was pretty good at pointing a finger at everybody else. But when he really got in the presence of God and he saw the Lord, you know what? He didn't see the faults of his brethren. He didn't see the faults of everybody else. But he said, woe is me. I'll tell you, when you really get close to God, you see how wicked and you see how sorry and you see how low down yourself really is. Amen. I'm not here this morning how to point a finger at nobody other than the one you're looking at. But I want to tell you, I want to go on record this morning and say that I am fed up. David was fed up in this text. I'm fed up with a lot of things and I know that you are too. And just because a person is fed up, you see in this society we live in today, if you make a statement about something, David was bold in this text. David was balanced in this text. He looked every one of them soldiers in the eye and he said, is there not a cause? Amen. He looked at them as a shepherd boy. He looked at them soldiers and he was fed up with what he was seeing going on on the battlefield. He was fed up with what he was seeing happening with his own country and his own people. But people say, oh, you're a rebel if you speak up, if you go against what's being said. I'm telling you, there's a lot of preachers nowadays. Listen, they're willing to cash in everything they've ever stood for and everything they've ever believed just to keep everything going the way it's been going, just to have the conveniency, just to have everything. Hey, listen, that's not what we need in this hour, friend. It's time to rise up. It's time time to stand up and it's time to be fed up of what's going on. If you love your children and you love your grandchildren and you love your church and you love your country, then you ought to be fed up this morning. I'm so tired of hearing preachers talking about being martyrs. We're not in a third world country right now. We have something that other countries don't have. We have freedom, friend. And while you still got what you have, if you love your children and you love your grandchildren and you want to, hey, a free America can do far more than an America in bondage, amen? I'm telling you this morning, I know that it's coming to these shores like it has everywhere else, but we better take advantage of everything we got. And my friend, I'm not rolling over. I love this country too much just to roll over and just to use the gospel as a smokescreen to hide beside, behind, and just hand over the liberty that men gave their lives for and shed their blood for and they fought for. I plan on preaching the gospel and still taking a stand. Amen. I plan on owning a King James Bible and owning a gun at the same time. Don't you? It don't got to be the 4th of July to preach something like this. I'm just telling you, listen, we need that book to win souls with the gospel and we need that gun and that ammo to protect ourselves from a government that no longer wants to protect us but has sold us down the river. Amen. You love your church this morning? You better get fed up. And I'm going to tell you, don't get mad at me for preaching. Amen. What do you think that, what do you think them World War II veterans would do? Amen. Well, hey, the freedom we have today 
came because someone before us got fed up and paid the price. Uh, I'm going to tell you, what would it, how did it turn out for Israel when they went into bondage uh, and they went into slavery? Go ahead and read the book of Daniel. Go ahead and read about the, the Old Testament major prophets uh, when Israel was 70 years in captivity. I'm going to tell you what happened during 70 years of captivity. Absolutely nothing happened for 70 years. I, I know God uses persecution. I know that God uses affliction. But the Bible said we're not to pray for it. We're not to seek for it. As long as we got freedom, we're to use that freedom and exercise it and we're to defend it and we're to stand upon it. And we're in a society today that's trying to educate and warp and pervert the minds of a younger generation all because they want to take our freedom away. And friend, listen, America is not beyond hope this morning. There is still a God in heaven and we can still have revival if we'll seek the face of God and if we'll get hungry, hallelujah. Now I know this morning the problem is in the church house. So I want to highlight that this morning. The problem is in the church house. Because if anybody in America ought to be disturbed, it ought to be God's people. If anybody in America ought to be a true American, it ought to be God's people. And I've seen it everywhere. I've went over the last year. Uh, it seems like there is a, a cowardness in our churches today because we've been at ease in Zion for decades. Let's just be honest. We like our push-button society. We like our air conditioning. Can I, can I get an amen? We've got beyond brush arbors and slatted pews and, and uh, you know, horse and buggies. Uh, and, and we like the convenience and to the point that even in our churches today, they're willing almost to sell out anything and everything uh, just to keep the conveniency. And if you say anything about anything, they think you want to be a rebel. You know, that's what they called our forefathers uh, when they uh, stood against England, and by the way. And now they want to... Uh, they want to mar them and they want to uh, write books about them that's not even true or not completely true. Uh, and there's a generation coming up that's wise in their own eyes. Uh, they don't look at the faithfulness war horses, uh, uh, my friend, of the, of the generation before us uh, that sent their children to battle and shed their blood uh, and they fought wars and built factories uh, and got on their knees and built rock altars and had Wednesday night prayer meetings uh, and had more revival than any anybody sitting in this room has ever seen or will see in a lifetime. You know why? Because they were people of conviction. They were people of character and they weren't going to shut up and they weren't going to back up and they sure wasn't going to give up. Amen. Isn't that right? And I pray this morning that something rises up in your soul. You say, why is that, Brother Gravely? I've seen more in the last few weeks that has scared me for the homes sitting in our churches than I have in 10 years. And this morning, David is fed up in this text. He's fed up, number one, because of the fearful. Look at verse number 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were so afraid. David, a shepherd, went to see his soldiers. Instead of them standing, they're hiding. Won't that sound familiar? 
We're living in a day when men are hiding behind things. As I've said earlier, hiding behind the gospel. We ought to give the gospel, no matter the cost. I think that we're living in a time where we definitely have to use wisdom and tact, but we gotta keep preaching the gospel. We gotta keep knocking on doors. We gotta keep going out on visitation. We gotta keep passing out tracts and, and telling others about Jesus. We, we can't worry about the mask and the mandates and all the things that this, the government wants to put on us today. Uh, uh, listen, we can't worry about uh, what, they, uh, what they're going to say. Our mandate, as I said last Sunday, it's bigger than their mandate, amen? We got a mandate from heaven, amen? Uh, and can I tell you this morning, uh, we cannot be hiding in the trenches. Uh, we can't be hiding in the ditches, amen? Uh, hey, listen, you still got to call sin, sin. Black is black and white is white. Somebody say amen. You know, I heard just this past week, uh, I heard somebody say, make this statement. Uh, they said, you know, there is no evil. Everyone is good. And said, when people do things that are wrong, said, what you've got to do is not focus on the bad that they have done, whether they've murdered or molested somebody. That's not what they said. I added that phrase. But don't look at the bad that they've done, but look for the good in them. You know why they're putting that mess out on our screens and, and through the airways? Because they want this generation to feed into all that. I'm here to tell you what the book says about that. There is none that doeth good. Amen. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I went to the mailbox. If you want to know why I'm preaching this, I'll tell you, I went to the mailbox just a week before. And most of the time, if I pick a magazine up, I don't even look at it anymore. There's so much filthiness on the front cover of a magazine, no matter what they're advertising. But this magazine was on the top and it had a plastic cover around it. And I picked that magazine up and there was a woman and she had a she had on a dress. It wasn't a very good dress at all. And she was on the front cover of that magazine and it was advertising a new cologne. And by the way, let me stop and say, this, it wasn't anything that she had signed up for. It was just something that they sent to you, amen. And I pulled that magazine off of the front of that of that mailbox and there she was and it was advertising this clone. You wanna know what the title of the clone was? The clone was entitled God is a woman. Now friend, that's why I'm fed up. I'm sick of them pumping that in the minds of our children not riding a hobby horse this morning. I'm just telling you, if we just sit, sit by and have church Sunday in and Sunday out and sing our little songs and shout and run the aisles and just carry on like we always have, hey, that sounds good on the surface. I'll tell you what you need every now and then and what I need. You need a man of God to get up on Sunday morning, clear off a path, and I'm telling you, preach a devil out of that stuff so that this generation that's growing up in a wicked society like we have never seen before understands that God is not a woman. God is a spirit and he's always in the male gender. My friend, he is, listen, Jesus was a man, the God man and this transgender mess, they're trying to pump it in their minds. I'm fed up because of the fearful, because of people that, preachers that could, could change, 
I'm not being the Lone Ranger this morning. There's men all across this country. They're preaching it just like I'm preaching it this morning. I'm telling you, there's men across this country, I can name you 25 or 30 of them. They've not sold out. They've not dipped their colors. And there's far more than what, than that number this morning. They're still preaching out the King James Bible. They're still preaching it like it is. But I'm telling you this morning, there's a whole host of them. They figured out, listen, that it won't cost you near as much if you'll just stop saying some things, if you'll just preach on some other things and just leave some things alone. I'm telling you, I don't want to go to a church like that do you? I don't want a preacher to get up and listen, fillet me every Sunday. I don't want him to get a bad attitude and a bad spirit and that's not all I want to hear preach Sunday in and Sunday out. But my Lord, I preached three months on the cross. I think I'm entitled this morning just to clean a path off and just nail sin and call it for what it is. I'm fed up with the fearful this morning because I hear more of it than probably you do. You're working your job, you're living your life, and that's what you should be doing. But I'm with pastors every week, good pastors. But even amongst them, I hear sometimes things said. Well, I'm not going to tell my people who to vote for. Well, you're looking at one preacher who will. Amen. Well, I'm not going to say anything about the Democrats and Republicans. Well, I'm going to. I'm not being a smart aleck. Amen. What is leadership? If we're not to say anything about anything, my Lord, then I just fold my Bible up and go home. If you're just supposed to blindly figure it out for yourself, his brother Gravely always right? No. But I'll tell you what I will do. I'll take the principles of this book and I'll call it like it is the best I can to my ability. I'll say what needs to be said. You know why? Because it's the only thing. What's gonna put America back on the right track is when the church gets on her knees and when men of God get back in a pulpit and start laying sin out like it is and preaching against sin without count watering it down, but calling it what it is and not be fearful, amen. I remember a few months ago preaching in a church and I'm more careful in another man's pulpit than my own. But a couple got up and walked out and I knew they were mad. I didn't want to make them mad. I wasn't being a smart aleck. In fact, I'm a whole lot kinder other places than I am here just because you know me and you know I love you and, and we've got a, a closer connection than I would and I'm not their pastor. But we're living in that day when people leave churches because they don't like what they hear. I'll tell you what, the preacher ought to make you mad every now and then. Isn't that right? I hope everything I say isn't sugar to you. You ought to go out every now and then and say, man, I didn't like what he said about that. And if I had never done that, tell me something and I'll try to get up and say it so you will go out and say it. You ought to, I thank God for every time my pastor came to me one on one and said, hey, let me have a private conversation because he loved me enough and said, let me just help you right here. Oh, it did hurt my feelings and yes, it did sting and yes, it did hurt my pride, but it was good for me. And can I tell you something about us pastors? It happens the same way with us. I'm telling you, listen, Brother Blue, he used to chop me down left and right. Listen, one time a few years ago, he said to me, he said, you know, he said, I don't know why you're so tense around me all the time. 
I said, well, you've been cutting on me since I was 15. He said, loosen up a little bit. He said, let's have, I said, Brother Blue, I said, I ain't never going to have fun with you. I told him that. I said, I feel like I'm in the presence of a general and I'm a private. And I'm standing at attention. And I'm not relaxed. I want to tell you, that's missing in this country. Can I tell you, there used to be a reverential fear for men of God. Tell you, Brother Cape, when he was here, I mean, I know that he had retired from being the pastor, but I'm telling you, I walked lightly around Brother Cape because I respected him. He was a man of prayer. He was a man of God. I'm gonna tell you something. You ought to go see Brother David and get some sermons from the 60s and the 70s, amen? I'm gonna tell you before you put it in, you better hang on to your tonsils, amen? Because there's some things said that this society can't swallow anymore. But I thank God for preachers that just pull pin their ears back, pulled the hammer back, and just preached it, amen. Pulled both barrels at the same time. They wasn't worried about a paycheck. They wasn't worried about what time it was. They're just preaching, delivering the burden that was on their heart, amen. And there's something to be said about a congregation that'll take preaching. I'll never finish this sermon, but I want to tell you this morning, why was he fed up because of the foe? He, he got tired of listening to Goliath. It only took one time for David to hear it. The rest of this crowd had been listening to that for 40 days. They had got desensitized to what they were hearing. David hears it and it sends shockwaves through him. You know why they want to pump things through the commercials and the television and on your phone? Because they, they no longer want it to shock you. That's why they want to put it on a poster, men kissing men and women kissing women. I'm telling you, uh, listen, I was in a restaurant the other day and I started to sit down and i just be honest with you, I don't always do this, and, uh, but I, I just couldn't stomach it. Can I just put it that way? I'm telling you, uh, I, couldn't take, uh, I couldn't take Mr. Sissy Prissy, amen, uh, with his limp wrist uh, and, his, and his little tea and his apron. I said, no, I'm not doing this today. I, no, I just can't do it, amen. Are you anybody else like that out there? I'm just telling you, some days I swallow it and go on, uh, but I don't ever get used to it. Hey, you boys listen to me this morning. I've been preaching at youth camp all week, so I reckon that's just the way it is. Hit your thumb with a hammer every day until your voice stops squeaking, amen. Put a wristband on if your wrist wants to go limp, amen. But you be a man, buy you a pair of boots and a shotgun and get dirty every now and then. I'm talking about be a boy, be a man. Listen, you don't play with Barbie dolls and baby dolls. And listen, you don't don't wiggle when you walk. Okay, man, you be a man, hallelujah. You have some conviction and some masculinity about you, amen. That's right. Brother Gravity, why do you hammer that? Because this world's trying to take it out of you. They got their queer suits, amen. Don't get mad because I said queer, especially not if you got a television. Amen. It's funny, the world can put out uh, movies, uh, uh, queer something for the straight, whatever. I don't even know what that is. Uh, but if a preacher says queer in the pulpit, everybody gets a holy hush. Uh, and you know what? Somebody wants to go, well, it is queer. You know what queer means? Uh, it's strange. Uh, I don't know anything any stranger than a man trying to act like a woman uh, and a woman trying to act like a butch, amen, uh, and go around uh, with a haircut uh, and acting like she's a man when you know she's a woman and you can look at her and tell, I'm 
telling you, that's warped, that's messed up, that's sinful, and I'm fed up with it. And this younger generation needs to know it is unnatural affection. It is Romans chapter number one, and God is not pleased with it this morning. He's not pleased with it. You girls, don't you let a girl ever touch you inappropriately. Lord, my girls grew up. Our girls grew up and had girls over. And You know, girls are different than boys. I mean, they'll all pile in one room in one bed and they'll talk all night long and keep everybody up. You've got to fuss and cuss and threaten to kill their mama just to get them to go to sleep. They can't do that no more. You don't know what's going through their minds now. Had slumber parties and things like that, and I don't, don't even want to know what goes on in slumber parties with girls. I'm not talking about sinful things, but they're just girls. But you girls are living in a different generation. Used to, you see girls hugging girls, you never thought nothing about it. Now you got to be so careful, don't you? Got on an airplane the other day, and I, I'll tell you, I saw a poster that was so sickening put out by Delta. If they can plaster it, why can't we preach it? Amen. If they can put it on a poster, trying to pump it in their minds, you better mark her down. I'm gonna preach it till the cows come home, friend. I don't care what they say about it. I'm telling you, because it may be the only thing that keeps your son from being a sodomite or your daughter from being a lesbian is at least coming to church and hearing the preacher get up and back up. You better pour the truth in them. If you don't, they'll pour the false truth in them, amen. I'm talking about, friend, I'm fed up with the foe, Amen. Love the sinner. I love the sinner. I want a sodomite to be saved. But this morning, I want every young person to know it's still sin. Because of the fearful. Because of the foe. Why did David, was David fed up? Because of the focus. David said in verse number 29, he said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Why are we here if there's not a cause? And I want to tell you, our cause is to preach the gospel. But even in preaching the gospel, we are not to forfeit and sacrifice our children and our freedom. And I'm going to tell you why I know that's true. When, my girls were com- when our girls were coming up, me and my wife made a commitment to each other. God had called me to preach. He had called me to pastor, but he hadn't called her. She was following me as I followed God. And we made a commitment to each other that we would not sacrifice our children for the sake of the ministry. We would not put them on the altar of ministry for the sake of the gospel. Now you may look at me this morning and think I'm crazy. What good would it do me to try to win the world and lose my children? You're never going to take that Bible and tell me that's scriptural. Because God didn't give me the man down the street. God didn't give me, you said, what well, he called you to pastor this church and preach the gospel. Oh, yes. 
But he didn't entrust me with the people down the road. But he entrusted us with those girls. And our number one mission field was the home. And I'm telling you exactly why I'm preaching what I'm preaching this morning. Because the cause in your life, number one, is your children. Number two, it is your neighbor. Number three, it is the foreign person. I'm telling you this morning, that doesn't mean quit preaching the gospel. That doesn't mean quit supporting missionaries. That doesn't mean don't give out, hey, I've not been called to the Jew, but I don't have to be called to the Jew to witness to the Jew. And I'm obligated to win the Jew. I've not been called to uh, listen to Guatemala, but that doesn't relieve me from the responsibility of supporting a missionary to Guatemala and witnessing to some Guatemala down the street or out west or, or wherever God is sending you to. But at the same time, I would be a fool and you'd be a fool uh, to just say well we're just going to give out the gospel and just let our children be raised up in an environment and never teach them what's right and wrong or let never say anything about it oh no there's a cause and can I tell you mom and dad your number one cause uh, is to win your children to God uh, and to pray that they grow closer to God not just to see them saved but see them spiritually mature it's going to take some old fashioned preaching it's going to take some bible teaching it's going to take some scripture memory you need to memorize verses and you need to teach them to memorize those verses. It's going to take family altar. I'm telling you, it's going to take some work in this hour. But it will work. It was Billy Sunday that sat on the platform. Somebody walked across that platform, folded the paper, and stuck it in his face. And he saw his drunkard son and he wept said I've tried to reach the world and I've lost my children what about you this morning oh I want to tell you if I've ever as a pastor felt like there's a there's a time to be fed up I'm tired of losing young people to this world every time you watch one grow up in church become of age you see the sacrifice and the commitment that their parents have invested in their life and kept them there and you see them leave and go the way of the world and you watch their parents weep and you weep with them and you weep for them and knowing you can't do anything to, to comfort them, you get fed up. And the only thing I know to do as a preacher is keep on preaching. Keep on saying and telling it like it is. This morning he was fed up. There's a cause. If we lose our salt if the salt loses its savor I mean how are we going to give them the gospel anyway I'll tell you you're not winning you're not winning the guy down the street walking up with a with a liberal attempt and with a liberal church you're not going to win them it's going to take I'm not against activities and things you'll know that this morning but it's going to take more than blow ups in the front yard and a sign that says y'all come let's have fun we got hot dogs and hamburgers and hey I ain't against it I grew up on a bus and them hot dogs and hamburgers fed me on the weekend I'm 100% for it but thank God when I got there they had more than hot dogs and hamburgers it's going to take more than a car wash amen It's going to take more than a yard sale and a bake sale 
to get the world's attention. It's going to take going confrontational evangelism with a life that supports it and backs it up. I'm going to tell you, it was because of the, and then I'm going to say it was because of his faith. If you go back to a couple more verses down, Saul, you know, the flesh will never help you defeat the world. And Saul simply tells David, when he hears about it in verse 31, he tells David this. Look what he said. He said, he tells David, he said in verse 33, you're not able to go against this Philistine. The flesh will always try to discourage you. He said, thou art but a youth. Young person, the flesh will always tell you you're too young to serve God. But David in verse 32 says to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And David said in verse 34 to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, and I went out after him. What courage. Smote him and delivered him out of his mouth, and when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard. That's probably why he shouldn't have a beard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Brother Hewitt. <laughs> but if that lion wouldn't have had that beard, he might have got loose. Amen, he got shaved. I'm just kidding. Kindly. And slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. It was his faith. He saw that. He saw the superman of the Philistine army running his mouth, and David's faith rose up and said, Wait a minute, somebody's got to stop this. Oh, this can't go on. We can't tolerate this. If we tolerate this, we'll lose the battle. If we tolerate this, how much more are we going to tolerate? If we tolerate this, we'll be slaves and we'll be in bondage. We won't have any influence if we tolerate this. No, it's a time to speak up and stand up and not shut up. And in our society, that's what they want us to do. They just want us to be quiet. They want us to be silent. They want to make it so hard on you on the job and in society. God help, we got, I mean, we got a government today that's, that's paying people to stay home. You know why I want to preach against that? Because the book says that. The Bible says that if a man won't work, he's not supposed to eat. The Bible says that a man that won't work is worse than an infidel. You take somebody who wants to stay at home and get a check every month and not do anything. Listen, there's something bad wrong with that. And if you pay taxes, and I know you do, you ought to be upset about it if for no other reason. Now, you ought to get mad because it's in the book, but you ought to get mad because you're paying to keep their sorry tail on the couch. Amen? That's right. They're printing money like it's paper in this hour. Hey, listen, I don't want their check. Somebody say Amen. I don't need their stimulus money, amen? They can keep it all they want to. They can keep our $100 for whatever they want to offer $100 for, amen? They can keep all that mess, amen? Because we don't need a society that depends upon the government to take care of them. We need a free society where men get up every morning and they go to work and they punch a clock and that's what God created men to do was to work, not be lazy, amen? Where women get up and wash clothes and bake cakes and cook the dinner, amen, and keep house, amen? 
Hey, that's the society that we grew up in. It's a good society. It's the way God ordered it and God wanted it, amen. I'll tell you, listen, don't you young people be lazy, amen. I'm telling you, get you a job when you get old enough. Just don't let it take you out of church, amen. But you work and you have a good work ethic and don't sleep late and don't stay up all night. Somebody say amen. I'm just talking about David said we need to take the enemy down because David had faith, amen. This morning I believe this. I really believe what I'm preaching. But no matter what this world says, you can still have an old-fashioned church in 2021. You can still win the world with the gospel. You can still have convictions and standards and you can still have the presence of God. But it won't come without a price this morning. There's going to be a cost. David was so fed up and I want to close with this. Because of not only the foe and not only because of the focus but because of his faith but because of the fight. It wasn't in David. Think about this this morning. He had took down a bear and took down a lion through the power of God. And his past victories is what told David it wasn't in David to just turn tail and walk off the battlefield. God give us another generation Hey, millennials, I appreciate you this morning. And I want to tell you I appreciate you. Because you're still staying with it. You could do like a lot of them done. You could just go with the flow. You mamas and daddies raising your kids in this church, I want to commend you for that. I know it's not easy now. But thank you. You probably got friends. You probably got family members that have went another way that that would be easy for you to go that way, but you've not went that way. Thank you for staying in the fight. Thank you for holding the line and being faithful. Thank you for being a David that said, you know, I just can't quit. I can't walk off. I can't, I can't roll over and just, and just you know, uh, just go on. I've got to take a stand in this day and time. There are some things this morning worth standing for, and as we stand...